we can't pour from an empty cup and sometimes we have to do hard things for the best of our loved ones. My guest today knows this all too well. I'm Callie Youngstrom and this is Keep Yourself Well. There's a whole industry of people who look out for and take care of other people. My guest today, Pam Hutchings, is a single mom, a social worker, and an activist with a goal to get teens talking about mental health in Saskatoon. We know no path is easy and Pam's is no exception. I'll let her tell you about it. Hi, Pam. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Keep Yourself Well. Hi, Callie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I always kick off the podcast with the same question, which is how do you keep yourself well? It's a loaded one, but this is how we start. (laughs) Yeah, it is loaded. Well, the last couple of years, I've really been focusing on more of like a holistic approach to my health. So I actually wrote the medicine wheel on, I drew it on my um, bedroom uh, mirror just kind of like spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional. And I wanted to make sure I was pouring into all of those cups. So um, I try to get outside as much as I can and move my body in ways that I love to do, which is a variety of things. I love lifting weights, doing spin classes, walking, running, um, playing basketball, doing sports stuff with the kids. Um, So lots of physical stuff. And um, we definitely make sure to prioritize emotional mental health too I go to see a counselor regularly um, even when I'm not in crisis just for like maintenance and yeah that's basically Mm -hmm. I love that you use the word maintenance that's a great word for it I I often say like proactive you know like because if we do we wait till we're in a crisis but you know we take care of our physical health or try to most of us every day proactively and preventively. So taking that same approach with mental health for those of us who don't know, do you want to explain a little bit more about the medicine wheel? Like with those uh, quadrants, are you aiming for a hundred percent in each or how do you kind of divide your energy within that? Um, Well, I'm definitely not going to speak to um, the true meaning of the medicine wheel because I'm a non-Indigenous person, but I am an ally and a supporter of their beautiful culture. So just my takeaway from it is making sure that you are pouring into every one of those areas. And if one is neglected, you're going to feel out of balance and you're not going to feel like at your optimal health, which I know is um, a jargon that you use sometimes, right? Like trying to optimize your wellness. And so um, I've neglected my spiritual side many times throughout my life. So I'm trying to kind of pour into that in different ways. Um, And as well as uh, my emotional side, I'm much more of a thinker. So I I choose not to feel my emotions a lot of the time. So um, yeah, my, my proactive approach to the, to the mental health is kind of making sure that you're going to counseling regularly. So you already have that relationship maintained. And, and I just think that's really important. And, and that kind of, for me is the, is the cornerstone of my health is making sure that I'm going regularly to see someone to talk through emotions and stuff because that is an area I struggle with so I feel like when I'm taking care of my mental health all the other areas sort of fall into place that's such a great point because I think we all have that kind of core habit or anchor or foundation that everything else builds upon yeah. for me for sure it's movement right like yeah my movement has to happen for my mental health. And maybe yours is the inverse of that. So I think that's a really great point. And I love the visual of the medicine wheel too. I use a version that's, you know, been inspired by, which is like just the wheel of life. And it has a few other components. And, you know, the the goal is not to have 100% in each because you just can't, but recognizing what level feels optimal. And we'll get into talking about kind of what you've been going through for the last year at least. But I think too, it's important to recognize there's seasons of life where one area maybe has to get neglected and that's potentially okay. But, you know, having that ability to, to check in. So you mentioned that you would have maybe answered that differently previously. So how has your approach to keeping yourself well changed over the last, you know, 10 years, five years, well, from being, you know, now having Mm -hmm. kids to what your family's going through now. Mm -hmm. 
Um, movement and like healthy eating and, and activity was always sort of part of my life. I played a lot of sports as a kid growing up and I had two brothers that just kept me always competing and trying to one up them all the time. Still oh, to this I day. I can relate with that. <laughs> yeah, still to this day. Everything's a competition and it's good family fun. Um, but it definitely has evolved over the years. Um, as a single parent for a long time with little ones around, it always looked different, the movement piece, because you had to work out at home or you bring the babies with you while you're going outside for walks in the in the stroller, maybe. And um, and then once they got a bit older and I had a chance to go back to a gym, that was an amazing experience as well, just because of the community that comes from it. I met a lot of great friends through my gym. And um, but movement wasn't enough. I was starting to notice that like, okay, there are other parts of me that need to be stimulated and, and um, lots of mental stuff. I knew that I was a lifelong learner. And if I'm not engaging in some type of learning, um, I feel a little bit spirally, like, okay, where should I put my attention? I, I need to be always like either personal development books or professional development stuff. Um, going back to school later on in life kind of um, sparked that for me was like, okay, I have a lot of brain space that will run around in all different directions if I'm not trying to target it somewhere. So um, committing to always learning has been really huge for the mental uh, side of my well-being, I guess. Yeah, focus that energy. So, okay, I know I could kind of introduce you as I'm getting to know Go you. Ahead. I would love, no, I would love for you to tell us, like when people ask about who you are, what you do, you know, introduce yourself. What's the first thing that you kind of tell people about yourself and where you're at right now in life? Um, well, that's definitely changed over the last year because we've been going through a really hard time with my family. But um, prior to that, I'm really proud to be a social worker because I have a heart of servanthood and it just was like being able to um, become employed in a way that is like helping people just felt so right and it was very aligned with my values and my goals so I am very proud to be a social worker um and also a mom and and just like an adventurous person I, I really like to um try new things I like a good hit of adrenaline and I like to compete and you know I'm always kind of searching for the next thing to to try and I'm very inspired by your you know jujitsu journey and thinking you know maybe one day when I have a little bit more me free time I could you know kind of come learn from you and try that out but it looks really cool and I just like to try I love to try different things that's uh first of all well thank you that's amazing and I would love that and that's I think that's my favorite thing about like fitness and just moving your body is I truly believe that there's a form of movement everyone will love like it it hurts me to my core when someone's like, I hate exercise or I hate movement. Like there's nothing. It always feels like a charm. Like keep trying. Like we just haven't yeah. found the thing that you love yet. You know, whether it's like dance or Zumba or who, you yeah. know, just so it can look so many different ways. So yeah. when, really what did you do prior to social work? Um, so prior to social work, I worked at the police station actually in Saskatoon as a CPIC operator. And um, I had gone to school right after high school for a legal administrative assistant diploma from Saskatoon Business College. And so then I kind of hopped around at a few administrative type jobs and landed up at the police station. And then I had kids and decided to try to stay at home a little bit. So I did that and then went through a divorce. So things changed. Um, and I kind of tried to work from home a lot as they were younger. I did various like bookkeeping. My mom and I did a little bit of bookkeeping together, which if anyone knows me, like numbers are not my jam. So <laughs> that's kind of funny, but you just plug them in the computer. So that was easy. Um, and yeah, then we moved out of the country for a year and that really, I would say was like the pivotal, um, moment for me in terms of okay I need to go back to school and really tie my love of because I volunteered there for a whole year well I would love to continue doing that but financially it's just not you know you you can't you can't be a volunteer for life it's just not possible so um, when we moved back home I was like okay going I went right into social work that fall Oh, that's really beautiful because it's another it's a way to be of service right yeah. with still getting compensated. Okay. Exactly. What sparked the decision to move? Where did you go? Tell me all about that because what an amazing experience to uproot yeah. here. Yep. 
It was incredible. And it's probably one of my favorite things to talk about, but it's been, we've been home for about six or seven years now. So it's not really on the highlight reel anymore. I can't just be like, Hey, let's talk about Honduras. (laughs) I was running a daycare. Yeah. I was running a day, a daycare from home. Um, That was one of my try to be at home businesses while the kids were there. And um, I was reading a professional development book and it had the cliche line of, why do people always wait until they're retired to do their dream or follow their dream? And, you know, we've all hear that line all the time. And for whatever reason, though, it just like hit me differently that day. And I was like, I've always wanted to go somewhere and volunteer, but I had kids kind of young and now I'm a single parent. I can't because I have kids. And I was just like, no, screw that. I'm going to look into this. So I actually just started calling places in Central America because I knew I love the Latin culture so much and wanted to learn Spanish. So I phoned and emailed so many orphanages and schools and everybody turned me down because I was planning to bring two kids that were only eight and five at the time um, with just me. And they were like, no, that's just not appropriate. You can't do it. And finally, I found a school in Honduras called Cofradia Bilingual School. And they had been around for two decades, I think, teaching um teaching kids half the day in English and half the day in Spanish. And the English teachers were just volunteers from around the world. And the Spanish teachers were local Spanish teachers. So, um, and they said that, you know, they had volunteer housing that was not appropriate for me to bring little kids into. So if I was willing to rent my own home and pay all my own utilities and like really just move myself there, I could do it. So we did. And we went for an entire year and it was absolutely incredible. Wow. Oh, that's cool. I know, like, I've heard you mention it, but I didn't know. What year was that? Oh. That was 2016 to 2017. Oh, yeah. My God. That's so cool. Because my the thing that like sparked service for me was volunteering at a malnutrition hospital in Guatemala, which they're like, oh, yeah, we backpacked yeah. through Guatemala, actually. Wow. And I mean, the I, I always say this, like thinking about travel myself, there's no dollar value you can put on what you get back from that experience, right? Like it's not you spend this many thousands of dollars and and that's it. You get so much abundance and I can't imagine good for you as a mom with two kids. It's so badass. And I mean, just opening your kids eyes up to what's possible as well. Oh, it's amazing. So are you fluent in Spanish? I would say no, not anymore. Um, When I, at the end of the year, I definitely could communicate quite well. I probably didn't sound great, but I understood basically what everyone was saying. Um, and then coming home, I really tried to keep it going. Carter, my son, he was five at the time. He probably spoke the most Spanish out of everyone because they're like little sponges, right? And he was only around other kids that age that only spoke Spanish, whereas my um, my students knew a little bit of English. And yeah, oh yeah, he was just talking in full sentences. And so when we came home, we tried to keep it going, but I didn't know anyone else that I could talk it with. So I still understand it quite well, but um, I won't be speaking it anytime soon to anyone, but I would love to. Yes. I'm just going to put this out there that we need to start having language exchange dates because I desperately want to bring my Spanish back. I've been doing Duolingo before bed, but I'm starting at ground zero again. Uh, Okay. So you got home and then that's when you decided you were going to apply for social work. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, moving to a third world country with like seven suitcases, that's all we had. And it really just solidified a message to me of there is no us and them. We are all just like people. We are all the same. And the folks there, like they didn't care what my family name was or what my education was or what vehicle I may have waiting for me at home. Like, literally all the different things that we attach our worth and our and our value and our sense of self to in you know North American culture was just stripped away so it was like this is it this is Pam there's nothing more and if you you know like me great if you don't that's fine too but there's no other things to bring to the table but your true self and so I think you make such pure connections that way because they also don't have things to bring to the table minus their most beautiful um like gracious generous personalities and ways of living like they think that north americans are so privileged and we have the best lifestyle definitely we are privileged but i don't think we have the best lifestyle because they just live in such a beautiful simple way where connection and and authenticity 
and you know community taking care of each other is just like top priority for them and I just thought that was like incredible so coming back I was immediately drawn to the homeless population here because I just saw them as people they looked like the people I had been spending an entire year falling in love with and developing relationships with so um, I immediately applied at the lighthouse and and worked there my entire degree while I was going to school part-time and yeah I just it was really um, it was a really great segue back into Canadian life because it was it was a major culture shock coming back so going to school full-time I took five classes every semester summer school I worked part-time raised the kids went to CrossFit every morning. I was just like crushing life back then. (laughs) And I loved it. I really loved being that busy and all the kid activities. It was, it was a wild four years. That's for sure. (laughs) Carter and Carmen at Carzan Local Market believe that everyone deserves to eat nutrient dense, locally raised healthy food without breaking the bank. It's the very reason why they started selling grass finished beef off their ranch in the first place. And I am so excited to be partnering with them. And lucky for us, we've got a discount code. So using the code wellness10, you can get $10 off your order. You can put this toward individual orders into a beef or butcher box with a variety of different cuts or invested in a quarter, half or whole hog or beef on a payment plan nonetheless so you can pay a down payment and then have the majority of your costs spread out over six automatic payments so you can set it and forget it use the code wellness 10 to get ten dollars off your order head to carsandmarket.ca for more info on their pre-orders and payment plans or find them on instagram and facebook at cars and local market or on tiktok under cars and grass fed they're doing an amazing job sharing educational content and transparent content about the quality of their beef Cars on local market, grass grazed, Saskatchewan raised premium beef. That's amazing. I mean, that is a lot. And you're crushing life now because I'd love for you to introduce us to kind of the big shift that's happened in your life Mm -hmm. recently, which is really how we came to be even more greatly connected, obviously through fitness first, which is what I love about fitness. And, you know, especially in a smaller city, you know, you end up meeting so many people. So tell us what this last year's looked like. Yeah, sure. So in um, August of last year, my daughter Taryn had a pretty severe mental health crisis that we're still sort of navigating our way through. Um, That was incredibly drastic. We were on a family camping trip and all of a sudden she started feeling very suicidal and almost took a bottle of um, anxiety medication that she had just started on and um, ended up in the hospital a couple of days later because she had been hearing voices, which um, were kind of just the start of a lot of different hallucinations that she's had over the last eight months, from tactile to visual, audio, auditory, all kinds of hallucinations. Um, so we ended up being in the hospital, 12 admissions throughout the last eight months. She has spent 90 plus days in there. And we um, have navigated through all of that with an incredible um, psychiatry support team here in Canada. but. Um, we weren't really getting answers. It kept, she got initially diagnosed with OCD and anxiety, which we knew she had a little bit of anxiety prior to all of this. We were addressing it. She was going to counseling. She had started on a low dose of medications and, but it was just like one day, everything just switched. And so nobody could really figure out what was going on. And they did say the doctors were pretty confident it was OCD. And we're like, yes, it can, it can, you know, um, spark hallucinations and all the other impulse control stuff Taryn was struggling with but it always just it just felt so bizarre because working in the mental health field I mean I primarily worked with adults but I had still never seen something like this happen so organically that wasn't substance induced and and in a youth so um, and I scoured the internet I'm a lover of research so I looked everywhere for you know, a case study that could confirm that this is something that happens with the kid with anxiety and OCD. And I didn't find anything. So, so we actually ended up deciding to look out of country and um, flew down to Los Angeles for some special brain scans for Taryn. And she got a new diagnosis of functional neurological disorder, which is essentially a disconnect between the brain and body. And um, there's a software malfunction kind of like the brain is getting um, signals that when there's a feeling happening, it kind of spews out symptoms because it's 
miswired. <laughs> it's really a very complicated diagnosis, and I've I have spent many many hours reading and researching about it and and asking a bunch of questions. But um, we are definitely you know through the worst of it. I can say confidently now. She's been out of hospital for seven weeks, yeah. which is like really huge for us. And um, yeah, we're moving through it. But it was a life changing experience. That's for sure. Yeah, well, turns your whole world upside down, your whole family dynamic. And it's because you ended up having to take a leave of absence and be a yeah. full-time caregiver, right? Yeah, I had to take two. And then I end up, ended up having to eventually resign because um, my employer at the time, the type of work was in crisis crisis work and that type of work you always need to have a few people on and so it just it what it didn't work to make any accommodations for me to come back and I'm still unable to work because she's still uh, definitely a full-time job in terms of the care I feel like there's some irony within the fact that your crisis work didn't allow you to take time for this crisis but you know that's I, why you I would agree <laughs> so, I, would well, I, I would love to know because I, you know, I think you and I both were always, we're, we're very cautious when we talk about the healthcare system, because we understand, especially, you know, you've seen it in a third world country as have I, mm-hmm. yes, we're blessed. We've yeah. got it very good here, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. And it doesn't mean that there's room for improvement and that we can't highlight, you know, where those yeah. areas of improvement are, um, mm-hmm. because to have to be unemployed for you know eight months you know good it's going to be going on a year in the very near future mm-hmm. like that would be unrealistic for probably the majority of families yep. right yep. And, you know, I I keep saying that um this is the crisis that would put people into the lighthouse or you know homeless because we're right. always one crisis away from you know being homeless and and I'm privileged because I'm white and I have a lot of different choices that other people may not have and I recognize that and I've had a lot of advantages you know even just navigating the healthcare system um but yeah it's it's absolutely I have a great support system we've been really blessed with a community that's wrapped their arms around us and has helped us financially but if it wasn't for that extra outside support I don't know where we might be living in my mom's basement because I don't know if we could continue on in our own space. It's just, it's the way that, you know, inflation has gone and groceries alone, like it's ridiculous gas, everything is so expensive. So yeah, it's, it's really tricky to navigate that type of a massive crisis um, for that long. And especially as a one income family. Well, and not only financially, but also mentally and emotionally for you to be, you know, for your whole family unit and extended yeah. family as well, who I've now been lucky enough to get to know, yeah. it, it's like walking on eggshells all the time because you just don't know if it's, you know, that hour, that day yeah. when, when something happens. So I'd love to start first, like, what have you learned about the healthcare system and mental health system through this journey? And then what have you learned also about being a caregiver and what that looks like mm-hmm. and how to care for yourself throughout that? Mm-hmm. Those are really good questions. Um, well, I think as most people know that have had any type of either physical or mental health um, experience with our healthcare system, you have to be an advocate for yourself. And I have witnessed this as like a third party support person when I've taken people into the hospital or, you know, tried to walk alongside, you know, clients or or stuff that I was serving in a professional capacity, but you just go and you do like your 10 minutes and you, and then you leave. It's not your lived experience. Right. So coming through this type of thing as a firsthand lived experience, even though it wasn't directly me, it was my daughter. She's still, you know, she's only just about 15, but I'm still her primary, you know, advocate, I guess, um, was so incredibly eye-opening. You just, you need to continually be fighting for what you believe is right. And lots of times we were either discharged or um, given different medications I wasn't comfortable with or lots of different things happened throughout these eight months that, you know, going back, I know a little bit better now and I would maybe be able to make different um, different suggestions or stand up for myself a little bit more. But you really do try to put trust into the professionals and they did a wonderful job for the most part of caring for us. I'm not saying anything negative about um, our psychiatry team. And we have a community mental health nurse who has walked alongside me even more than Taryn and supported me in incredible ways. 
Um, and we just have a really robust, um, amazing support team. But you have to continue to advocate and you have to go back. We went back probably, I think we've been to the hospital maybe 17 times in total in eight months, sometimes just in the ER and then being like discharged. 12 of those times she was admitted. And I started to feel shameful. Like, you know, am I doing something wrong? Like, why do people are staring at me? Why am I here? Why are we back here? Are they judging me? Like, usually I don't experience those type of emotions. And I was just really shocked at how, how shameful I felt about having to go back and how much trauma there is actually in having to continually go back and then tell your same story over and over and over. And it was always me telling it because Taryn was, you know, either in a symptom flare up or on a lot of drugs that she couldn't really speak for herself. So that was really hard for me to have to continually say everything and not just once when you go back, it's two or three times. And she had such a complex case that people were interested. So they wanted to hear more. And some of her hallucinations were very, very um, scary and, and intricate. And so they were interested. And I understand that I, I was like, interested too to learn about it but it was hard to have to continually um fight for what I just knew that like I can't I, I don't know how many times I had to say I cannot do this at home anymore by myself and that is why we keep coming back and she would get admitted and things would maybe stabilize a little bit in a controlled environment which usually just meant meant like up her meds and then we would come home and try again and and things would escalate or they would shift because with FND, her functional neurological disorder diagnosis, um, symptoms evolve and they change all the time. So it can literally be anything, but we didn't know that for a lot of months. So I was like, you know, now all of a sudden she's seeing things before she was only hearing things like what the heck. And a lot of her stuff revolved around self-harm. So it just wasn't physically possible for me to keep her safe a lot of the time. Um, so that would be the answer to the one first question about how to navigate the system, I guess. And what was the second one? Well, let's expand on that. First of all, okay. Uh, good for you, because that is exhausting yeah. and traumatic for you as well as a caregiver mm -hmm. to have to go yeah. through that every single time. And I think that like every time you do that too, well, it's like, you know, okay, for the true crime listeners, it's like, there's a reason that like ear witness testimony is not reliable because that's so exhausting to try to keep track of every single detail. And yep. when you're also mm -hmm. naturally in a heightened emotional state too, like your daughter's self-harming, you're in, yeah. you're in crisis to mm -hmm. have to go and show up and try to be the person representing like, that's just exhausting. Yeah. So I took I a lot of notes. I have a huge notebook full of things that happened and symptoms and medication reactions. And I just always would have notes of every time we went in and cause there's no way I could remember everything. My brain has really gotten mushy over these last months, which my counselor says is like memory trauma. You actually can have that too. And, and so I forget things sometimes, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I have work in crisis because I know that, you know, when I came home one time, um, I had just started going back to the gym. She was doing well. And I came home and she had slit both her wrists and was blood was everywhere. And, and I didn't have to react because I've seen way worse. And so I bandaged her up and we carry on. And so I am very thankful for my training that way that nothing really rocked me. Um, in the moment I would have emotional reactions after she was in bed asleep by myself I was like holy shit like that just happened but I can keep it together very easily during the the crisis moments because I was trained to do that and I just have this natural ability to compartmentalize and put my emotions away which is great for crisis work but not great for trying to have relationships and being you know present in the real world I I struggle with that and that's something that I'm addressing with my counselors like okay you know, how can I not intellectualize everything and just feel it? So since 2015, Supplement World Canada has been working diligently to provide the best brands, service and community experience. The team has built more than a successful company. They've really built a community that supports every customer. They want you to feel like you've got the best products for your needs and goals every single time. That includes the sugar-free and low-carb life. And I am so proud that they're a local success story based right here in Saskatoon. 
online or in store, the Supplement World crew wants you to feel like you're part of the team. And in a gesture of thanks for your continued support, or maybe as a little incentive to join this amazing team, they're offering you a discount on your next order. Just use the code KYWellness online or in store to get yourself 10% off. That's 10% off at supplementworldcanada.com with the code KYWellness. Yeah, well, you've just for- been forced to be in fight or flight mode, you know, for yeah. months. I'm so proud that you're taking that time for yourself. And also just that with this new diagnosis and the new physician that, you know, Taryn's improving enough too, that you can take a little yes. bit more time, you're getting more support. So oh, yeah. What advice could you give to other parents in a similar position based on your experience in terms of how do you care for yourself? How do mm-hmm. you get over the shame and the judgment of having to, which, you know, th- those services are there there to be used, but how do you navigate all of that and keep yourself well so you can mm-hmm. continue to show up and advocate for your kids mm-hmm. or whoever you're giving care for? Yeah. Yeah, that's so it's such a complex feeling to be like, I know I need this help. I know I deserve this help. But damn, it's hard to accept. And and that's something I don't know if I'm even fully through it. I still to this day have people doing like incredibly um, generous things for me. And I'm just like shocked. And, and yet I love to do stuff like that for other people. So I think, I think the biggest, um, a couple of different pieces of advice that I could give to caregivers when their kids are struggling is just accept the help because people want to and probably if you're even like a semi good person you want to too like you want to help others so just remember that you know you're you would do the same thing if the tables were turned and i have had a few people in my life like really really step up to the plate and have just walked alongside me continually and eight months is a very long time to be in crisis So the fact that they have just stuck by my side and we're talking like dropping off gift cards for food and gas, dropping off groceries, cooked meals. At Christmas time, I had a friend wrap presents for the kids and drop them off and a little something for me because I, Taryn was in the hospital the entire time over Christmas. So I didn't have a chance to do as much shopping as I had hoped. Um, And just so many things I can't even I've actually kept a little note Uh, I have a little folder called magic where I keep all the amazing things that happen because you know when you're really down sometimes you need a little reminder of how good life still can be and how amazing humans can be when when you're struggling and and so I would just say to those parents like let the people help and and to the to the people like just bring the things don't ask what do you need because I will always say nothing we're good thanks take care whatever right but I had people just like drop the groceries drop the food bring the meals like they don't ask they don't stay they don't knock to come in to have a chat because that might be you know who knows what's happening in the house at the time but just like cook the meal and bring it there and say hey it's on your steps nobody's going to be upset about free like homemade dinner or skip the dishes gift cards or starbucks gift cards like those things all just meant so much to me. And, you know, it's just wasn't, we got Starbucks for eight months for free, like once every couple of weeks we'd stop. And it just made me so happy that we could have that treat together. And I wasn't sacrificing anything financially. People just like took care of us. And um, yeah, I would just say, you know, and, and reach out if you don't have those people that are naturally stepping up to the plate, because I truly believe unless you've walked through something hard, you don't necessarily know how to be there for someone else. And now I, I thought I was a good like helper and supporter pre all of this, but wow, my lens has changed because now I know really how to support someone when they're going through a crisis. And I will try my hardest to be there for people when they, when they need it, whether they know it or not. Absolutely. Well, and I love that point about not asking, because I think that is when, when you're really in the thick of it, it's so exhausting to try to tell someone how to help you. Yeah. No? Exactly. And it's so well-intentioned, but I, yeah. you know, I need to remember to do that in my personal life too. Like, let me just show up for you in this way yeah. versus yep. put the onus of responsibility on you. And, you know, I think that does bring in a lot of kind of the cultural element of what you witnessed in a third world country where mm-hmm. there's so much of that. Well, we always say like, it takes a village. That is not how we really operate in most no societies in in North America, but that is the only way that it works in many areas of the world. And 
Um, you know, when you said that, I was just thinking, you know, we they they see what we're valuing in, in North America and not to blanket statement it, but you know, well, we are we're affording these things and yeah. and houses and the cars and whatever, but yeah. what are we sacrificing to do yeah. that work and get that income and have that time? So much of it is like the family and you know, again, all those things you can't put a price on. So I love That's that right. you've been able to lean into your community and also have created your own community. So throughout yeah. all this, you started documenting, which is just so brilliant. And I know it's very sensitive too to document a literal mental health crisis as it's unfolding, yeah. but it's why you've been doing it, right? To break down yeah. the stigma, to show what happens, to give an example of what's actually going on. Because again, you know, I think mental health is more of the conversation now than it ever has been. Yeah. But it's still very surface mm -hmm. level, very often like, hey, go to therapy, not like, hey, yeah. this is like an actual, which is great. We can't say that enough. But right. so tell me about how Teens Talk came to fruition and everything that's happened since. When in Taryn's journey did you start documenting it? The first two months, um, all of August and all of September were spent um, basically by Taryn's side, even in the hospital, because it was such a traumatic experience being in the Dubai, I wasn't willing to leave her. So I went in like morning to night, every single day I brought meals. I found somewhere for Carter to be. And um, just, I couldn't bear to leave her there because she was so scared and was such a traumatic change. It's not like we eased into this and she'd been having some mental health stuff. It was just like healthy, totally um, high functioning, you know, excelling in every area of her life to boom very very sick so I made a lot of like rainbow loom bracelets and crafting things and we colored hundreds of pictures and did puzzles and that's what I spent the first couple of months doing with her when she would nap I would just literally I made so many rainbow loom bracelets it was out of control it's like a two-year-old like a four-year-old craft but like I loved it. it was just kept my mind busy right yeah and um I didn't nobody wants them so I couldn't even give them away I would just I just have a pile somewhere so I want one okay I'll get you one <laughs> um and so one day in October we were at a psychiatrist appointment waiting in the waiting room and sometimes my brain works like this I just all of a sudden get flooded with this idea and I run with it and I'm not the person that sits back and necessarily thinks it through I just if I feel in my gut because I'm also really intuitive if I feel like this is something that's maybe being put there by a higher power or I don't know what but I just run with it so we sat in the waiting room for probably 30 minutes that day and I like verbal diarrhea this entire idea to Taryn and just said you know like we do not have to do this but we've been scouring the internet for someone to talk to that's going through what you're going through or a support group that's not addiction focused because there are some for youth that are all addiction focused she had never even tried anything yet so we didn't fit there um and we just couldn't find what we what we were looking for and, and I said you know Taryn this really is going to be very dependent on you like there's no pressure if you aren't comfortable putting yourself out there of course we won't um I never wanted it to be something that she felt embarrassed about or that or pressured into and because she's always been an advocate herself and really loved learning and loved teaching people things, she was on board in a heartbeat. She's like, this is, yes, mom, you do that. Like, look, we're going to share my story so that other people, if even if one person gets to feel like they're not alone and they're not, you know, weird or abnormal or whatever, let's do it. Transitioning into the warmer months also means a transition to how we eat. There are more barbecues, maybe picnics, more socializing outdoors. I can't wait. And the good news is Sweet and Sprouted has got us covered for low-carb, sugar-free, and gluten-friendly options with a great variety of sauces, spices, beverages, snacks, and treats, along with daily groceries that you can have delivered right to your door. Shop online and enjoy quick access with free shipping on most orders over $150. To sweeten the deal, Sweet and Sprouted is offering you 10% off your next order with the code wellness10. That's 10% off at sweetandsprouted.com using promo code wellness10. So I just decided to meet with one PR company in the city actually. And, um, and the man I met with just gave me some advice and just said, just start on social media. Like that's really the first step and see where it goes. So I was kind of in this awkward position because 
Um, I was a little bit anti-social media at the time, and I've written papers on like adolescent brain development linked with social media and like the negative effects. And so I was very strict about my kids using social media. I am, am still. And, um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go promote this like teen space on social media. It kind of felt like a bit of an internal conflict, but I just started it very, um, just one day I'm just like I'm just gonna start on Instagram and see what happens and we've slowly I it slowly turned into more of like a therapeutic thing for me being able to document um I I write things mostly when we were waiting in the hospital or she was asleep and I had you know then I had a kind of a chance to process it and I've always loved to write so it was like very therapeutic for me to get some of those experiences and thoughts out and and also just share with people like you would never have looked at Taryn in July of 2002 and thought this could happen to her. Like it just, it wouldn't, you would not have thought that. And so I, I knew right away is like her message is going to be special and it's going to be coming from a, a peer, which we know in like the adolescent age range, peer information and peer, not uh, peer pressure, but like peer, um, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but people respect their peers so much more throughout that and they're like voices more strong than their parents or any other influence in their life right is their friends and so I just thought you know it would be really awesome if Taryn could talk about some stuff through her experience which she's not quite there yet like I primarily run the account and stuff because she still is struggling but everything gets okayed by her before I post it and it's just really been a joint collaboration in terms of her making sure that she's comfortable with what I'm sharing but I'm also trying to keep her a little bit separated just because I want her to focus on herself and her healing right now and not worry about how many likes we have or whatever. But the amount of encouraging messages and people reaching out on the daily saying, oh my God, my kid has been going through something similar or, oh, we've been in the debate over Christmas too. Like you got this mama. Like there's just so many um, connections and this incredible community being built of supporters that I didn't know existed and I'm so thankful that they have been able to help me through this time. Yeah. Well, and and it all starts with an idea. I think that's brilliant that you just went with your gut and I think that's a great point too like that when Taryn's lucid, you know, she's ag- agreed and is comfortable and you know, she's young, but I've met her and she's so mature. Like yeah. it, I still can't like she the fact she's not even 15 yet she's just yeah yeah she's a very smart kid and 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 she loves to help people same as me so it's kind of perfect and so now with that momentum it got to the point where you decided like this needs to be a nonprofit based on the resources that you saw were lacking in Saskatoon because it started as an Instagram just kind of you sharing your story and so at what point did you kind of start making the moves then to incorporate as a nonprofit and take it into that direction organizationally Mm -hmm. well I actually have always wanted to be part of starting my own nonprofit and so from idea at the beginning of October I think by the end of October I had already applied for nonprofit um, incorporation because I just knew that we were going to move it in that direction and we're going to do all the awareness. And I immediately had the idea of the healing center, um, which is another big piece of our organization that we haven't really done a lot about, but it's a big vision for us because, because of what I experienced in the Dubai and, and saw how much these kids need like the therapeutic component they need these skills to take with them when they're out of this uh, controlled environment and but maybe they're not quite ready for home and so I saw this like it was like a flash like how glaringly obvious this gap in service was and what we needed and so yeah very quickly I was like okay we need to make this a nonprofit, and we just kind of it all happened quite quickly and right away as I was excited to get a team on board and Callie, we're so blessed to have you as our president. (laughs) Everyone just fell, everyone just fell into place. And everything that has happened with Teens Talk has just like aligned itself and like kind of like you said, momentum. We just have this great momentum going forward. And we have that we had like 30-some applicants for board members, which was really quite huge. And we all everyone was so knowledgeable and experienced and mostly passionate about the cause, which is exactly what I was looking for. And so we've built this incredible team, as you know, and uh, with everybody's unique skill set, skill sets and strengths, we are just moving in a really uh, incredible direction. 
Yeah. Well, thank you because I feel beyond lucky to be a part of it all. And it is, it's like when something's so new and we're getting all this momentum and it's bubbling and there's so much energy, I feel like all of us in the room are like, oh man, we get to be the start of this thing. That's going to be so huge. And when we look back on it in two years, five years, 10 years, we're going to be like, remember when we didn't have a meeting room where like, you know, like, exactly. and I want to really highlight to the different because I think there's like multiple different pillars that we have within the organization right now that so many people can benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, obviously there's the social media page, which that alone is an incredible resource that anyone from anywhere can make use of, whether teen, adult, parent or not, there's just great information, great resources. You're constantly sharing good stuff. So I think that's important because anyone can access that. And it's a good starting point from there. The thing that I, and this really stood out to me at our last board meeting, because Taryn specifically talked about it. And like, I'm emotional just thinking about it because her sharing the experience of the talking circle. Um, So tell us about the talking circle, because I think that anyone who's local-ish, at least to Saskatoon, that is such an incredible Mm -hmm. resource. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for saying that about the Instagram. It's a lot of work and and I love doing it and I hope it's valuable for people. So I like to hear that feedback. Um, Yeah, so our sharing circles, they happen every single month. We started in, I think, November actually October was our first one, the end of October in my home in Warman. And there was Taryn and two other girls. So it was very small. And I remember having that same thought as you, Callie, like, okay, this is so cute. I did all this, like got all the snacks and like got all these things ready. And there's like two people, (laughs) but that's okay. Cause I know it's going to grow. And it just has every month. um, We've had incredible support from the community offering um, like vendor um, venues for people for us to use um, guest speakers have offered their time we kind of rotate one month is guest speaker um, and then the sharing circle and the next month is an activity and then the sharing circle so this month we're actually actually on Saturday are going to grip it climbing and they have graciously offered to host us free of charge so all the kids get to go and they're going to have their members come belay them so they get like a little bit of volunteer and um, time in with them so that's wonderful and every single month it's grown and it's incredible these teens are amazing they come with such vulnerability they might know one person they might come alone and they just share openly about what they're struggling with and i just think to myself we would never have done that in my generation not a chance would we have shared what we're struggling with with complete strangers And I think they each, the look on their faces when I'm watching them kind of engage and go around this circle is like, oh yeah, me too. Like that me too is so powerful because they know that they're they're not alone and it's a safe space. You don't have to share. You can pass. There's no judgment. There's sometimes people share more than once because what someone says, I think we could actually extend the sharing circle time period, but we kind of are already going overboard on time. So I have to sort of move them through it. But I think they could stay and chat longer because they're finally finding people that are also struggling with similar things. And sometimes they're very different. Sometimes they're the same. It doesn't matter. The fact is they're there and they're, and they're struggling and that is enough to connect them. Well, and create friendships, right? So they can take that. And I think, you know, with the social media, first of all, I commend you as a parent trying to navigate that whole world because, oh my God, I like my whole job revolves around social media. I'm so grateful for it. I love it. I think it can be used so positively. Yeah. And that's what, you know, you're doing because kids are going to be on social media. So if we give good resources and if we give connections and make it a positive place, right. And so what do we gravitate to? Well, we gravitate to, you know, people we relate to. And if the only thing that youth sees is people that they relate to in their demographic who are maybe not making positive actions versus Mm -hmm. people talking about their lived experience with mental health and wellness and all of these things. I mean, it can just be so beautiful, but um, I, I think that you're doing a great job. Yeah. Making that a resource. And I am grateful to see more and more pages that make it a good place to be a positive place to be Mm -hmm. on the internet. And um, so 
that is the talking circle component. And so anybody can participate. They just shoot you a DM and can come. Yeah, We're trying to kind of put a little bit of a boundary around ages because some of the content can be a little bit heavy. So we've said sort of 12 to 20 and there's there that we literally have kids from 12 to 20 that come each month. So as long as you kind of preface your kid and let them know that like, there is no guidelines on what you can and can't talk about. So, you know, be aware that there might be some heavy stuff that could be triggering and then make yourself available after the talk to kind of debrief with your kiddo on the drive home or some of them drive themselves. And and so maybe just a little check-in after to make sure that they're doing okay. Um, We also always have um, one other trained, uh, a youth care worker that comes each month. Um, She's on our board. She's a lovely human. And so we have like an extra adult there so that if there needs to be a breakout or a one-on-one, we have that, um, a safe space there to facilitate that. But yeah, we try Yeah. Anyone can come. It's free of charge to everybody at this time. We're able to keep going with that, which I think is amazing. I did not want cost to be a barrier. Um, and we always have snacks and we always are trying to collect a little bit of data from the teens each month so I ask a question at the end of the sharing circle and they write answers on cue cards and I use that into a post each month because I'm hearing how amazing these teens are but their parents and everybody else needs to hear it too and and not just how amazing they are but through their eyes what's their experience like and even if we may not agree with the things that they're doing that experience is still valid and legitimate to them and we have to be able to walk a middle path and and I think a lot of the things I'm hearing is that my parents aren't understanding and there's, you know, we, we as caregivers need a lot of education around mental health ourselves, especially because we grew up in the generation where it wasn't talked about, it wasn't researched. And so our hope is that we are going to expand into a caregiver support kind of sharing circle as well. Um, not at the same time or the same location so we can keep things private, but I know I could benefit from that. I would love to chat with other parents where their kids are struggling and, and to know, like, you know, what are you guys doing? Like how, what's your strategies? What's your coping? What's your support? Like, and, um, and so we're hoping to be able to branch into that a little bit going forward. So the whole unit can kind of be addressed. And something too, that we've talked about within the organization is offering like some education for caregivers down the road. So this resonates with anyone listening. I just encourage you to follow along the page because it's all brand new. We're like in the infancy of it all, thanks to Pam. And then the big, big picture is we're working on some fundraising and the long-term goal is this, um, you know, care center that you talked about, the healing center. So I just think it's nice to kind of outline that vision because we in the background know that that's yeah. the big picture, but, right. you know, just following around the page right now, um, there's great resources, but the whole the whole premise is to bridge that gap because it's true. There's so much need for a more long-term care option for mental health, specifically in youth right now. Um, And not only in Saskatoon and not only in Saskatchewan, like this is everywhere. So uh, kudos to you for taking that on. And it's, I think it's just an example of how something so beautiful can come out of something so dramatic and I feel like that's kind of a story of your life you know like even I know that you have talked about your divorce a little bit on social media and talked about it publicly which again I just love that you're sharing these things that I think we have so much shame and stigma around which is crazy because it's like the divorce rate's now over 50 percent so like you'd think we're talking about that just as much as we're talking about weddings yeah um and you know that led you to this trip, which led you to social work, which it like, you know, I think it's so nice to hear these stories where you see so much good come out of it. And Taryn and you and your whole family, because your son as well, you know, like being part of this and having to go hang out somewhere else where, well, also like it really is traumatic for everyone. And you guys are so, so resilient. And I think that sometimes when we, we talk about someone in crisis, we forget to think about how much it affects everyone else in that family unit. So I appreciate you sharing that. And um, do you feel like your experience with your divorce and that part of your life and like having been a single mom prepared you in a way for this? Um, hmm. I think that going through, I went through a really tough divorce um, and marriage. It was really messy and that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But um, 
I think it's definitely, and I went through some hard childhood stuff. So each kind of chapter in my life, I think, has exactly what you said, blossomed something beautiful out of it. And and it's taught me about myself in the way that I am resilient and I will continue to bounce back. I might go down a few, you know, flights of stairs and stay, you know, kind of lower for a period of time in that season, but I will always find my way back to myself and, um, and hopefully come back stronger and better every time. And yeah, I just, I don't think anything can prepare you though for a sick kid. I think that's how this hits different than anything else. Like I would rather it have been me or, um, you know, even an adult that I knew that I was close with having your kid be sick and especially a sickness that's still so stigmatized. Like if she had a health condition that was like a lung condition or kidney or heart, it would have been different a little bit. I wouldn't have had to fight for the explanations about why her symptoms come out as behaviors because then people are thinking it's a behavioral thing when it's still actually a symptom. It's just not common knowledge in terms of some of the mental health illnesses, right? So, yeah, I don't think anything could could prepare me for um, the heartbreak of watching your child be sick other than knowing I knew I would get through it. And I knew she would, too, even even at the bottom of the of the mud pit that we were in for quite some time. I mean, I can't even imagine because it just any parent when their child is sick or injured feels so incredibly helpless and, Mm -hmm. you know, not to compare any trauma, just, you know, as a parent, seeing a kid sick, injured, hurt, whatever, suffering in any way, shape or form is impossible. But there's something to be said about the visibility of mental illness, which does add an extra layer, because it's so hard for you to understand for the physicians to understand for you to try to explain to Taryn and to try to then explain to, you know, the broader population people understand a broken bone, right? We can visualize it, we can see it, but, you know, to understand mental health already is just so much less tangible. And then with Karen's specific diagnosis, which is something that we're not hearing about in the same way that we hear about anxiety and depression and, you know, even bipolar and schizophrenia, like we hear Mm -hmm. these terms and Mm -hmm. this is really new to a lot of us. So, you know, you're not only educating yourself, you're Mm -hmm. now using the platform to educate other people too, which is so valuable. So I am so grateful again. And even that, you know, it connected us more and to get to be a part of it. And I can't wait to see what happens. So, okay. On a lighter note, we end with uh, five little quick questions and I would love to know, Oh, I think we talked about this once. I might know your answer. Wait, (laughs) who's your biggest role model? My, oh, Brené Brown, for sure. Yeah, she's, yeah, everybody, I mean, most people in the social work field anyways know who she is. And she, she does such great stuff on researching shame and vulnerability and a lot of um, leadership stuff. I listen to her, her leadership podcast. She's just like one incredible minded human and researcher. And I love that research part of it. So um, I, would, I would like to tell you, you inspired me because I just did a leadership project and I had to share a leadership quote and I chose Brene Brown because of you. Aww, <laughs> uh, you. The best advice you've ever received. Go before you're ready. Ooh. I received that from a CrossFit coach actually once when I was just kind of starting out and we were doing burpees over the bar, I think, which is like not my funnest or best movement. And as if anyone knows, burpees are just like really hard after you get up there. And and she just oh, looked yes. at me and just said, all my clients now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So everyone knows how hard a burpee is. And she looked at me, she's like, you can't fail a burpee. You just fall down and you stand back up. Like, let's go. And she's like, just go before you're ready. And so, so many times in my life that I've applied it to that being like, not just fitness, like when you're dying and you can't, you can't go on, you need to catch your breath. No, just turn. It applies actually across the board. Just go before you're ready. I love that so much. And, you know, you and I have talked about this very recently where I have, you know, shared my lack of readiness and preparation to be the president of this board, you know, like I, you, you know, as much as anyone, I don't have board experience, never have been on the board, let alone, you know, be the leader. And, um, you know, you have, you are giving me that opportunity and that's exactly right. And you figure it out, right. It's like having a baby. No one knows how to be a mom until they have a baby. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I think it encompasses like experiential learning. Right. And like, that's what I'm all about is like, just try it. And if you fail, fine. If you succeed, great. There's both, there's learning in both. 
I'm going to say that all the time. And because you're never going to feel ready, right? Anything no. that's new and scary, you don't have the experience yet. So right. I, I'm, I'm borrowing that. Thank you very yeah, much. You betcha. Um, okay. Best book or resource? Well, obviously teens talk, YXC Instagram page. Um, <laughs> best book, because I know that you, like me, are a huge PD person. So yeah. Oof, that's a really, really hard one. Um, I don't think I could name one really good book but I can name a couple atomic habits I, habits I really love I know you've read that um there is the power of now by Eckhart Tolle it's a little bit of a trickier read I would say but it really taught me about living in the present moment um and then yeah of course anything by my bestie Brene is always fabulous I have probably most of her books um yeah I just I always have a massive cart going on Amazon. Anytime I hear someone say, oh, you should read this, I add it in there. And I haven't actually been able to read a lot over these last months. I don't know why my brain just can't absorb the information, I guess. But um, I'm a huge book lover. So if anyone has any uh, recommendations, drop them in the comments and <laughs> I'll put them in my cart. Amazing. Actually, I have on my Amazon, I link every book that my podcast guests recommend oh, if you awesome. ever are like looking for something hey. but also give yourself grace I'm so glad that you're not trying to like force yourself to be reading yeah. right now it's just not working because it's must be enjoyable right and like there's seasons exactly. of where you're just yeah weren't right yeah. um and I love Eckhart Tolle and the actually he has a podcast that was with Oprah originally oh. and he is very tricky I find to read and I yeah. have stopped and started and restarted many mm -hmm. times his books, but his audio conversations with Oprah, where he dives into it can be really like helpful to get you going. I think just okay. that's a good tip and personal mantra or words you live by. That's a good one. I, I listened to your podcast, so I should have maybe had these prepared ahead of time. Oh, I love that you didn't because there's no rush. And I feel like I can think of a few that, that I hear you say even. Yeah. Well, I, I guess there's just a few things that number one, I really, really, really um, am like very set on authenticity and being a genuine person and sticking to who you are and your values and, and not changing for other people. And when you make a mistake, you just apologize and own up to it and have the conversation. Don't hold a grudge, just confront it. And, um, and I'm really, I'm really trying as I get older to be my most authentic self and show up as that in each different space. Um, and I guess another mantra is to have fun and laugh about it because man, life can be hard enough and we love to laugh. I'm always making fun of my children in the most loving way because, and I make fun of myself just equally as much. I love to laugh and be sarcastic. And I think that's really helped me through a lot of my dark days. So I what would, what, tell me what you would add. I would love to hear what you. Well, I was think I was thinking like some Brene Brown inspired mantras probably. And then even like uh like just the teen talks like stay curious and you know yeah, stay like curious that. that's another one yeah I forgot um, about that one not just put words in curious. your mouth like I think I know <laughs> no, stay, I, I have it on like two different sweatshirts because I love that so much and I think the curiosity lens eliminates so much bias in the world and prejudgment and you know I don't know everything about you and and vice versa and I'm never gonna have a judgment because because why would I, first of all, but let's get curious about it. And if you ask those questions, and especially in the mental health world, like, you know, you're going to say the wrong thing, people are going to use the wrong language, and it's going to offend people. But if you come with the curiosity lens and an understanding that I don't know everything, please tell me how like, with all the, um, the gender fluid spectrum and everything, like, you need to be okay with making mistakes. And just, you know, let me know if I make a mistake, and I accidentally use your dead name, or, you know, use the wrong pronoun. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to learn. And I think staying curious is just, I, I try to implement that in my kids' lives all the time, too, when they come home from school with a certain situation, I'm like, well, we don't know what's going on at home, or we don't know what happened this morning, or, you know, like, give them some background context about why that kid maybe did that you know, today or whatever. So love, stay curious. Yeah, I think and it leads with compassion that yeah. way instead of judgment. And yeah. with mental health, I think that so much of the judgment comes out of fear, fear and ignorance. You know, we're we we criticize what we don't we don't understand and we're fearful of what we don't understand. And so often that's the way to put that wall up. But just simply asking questions and being curious, you know, just opens 
so many doors and connection, yeah. right? It's all about That's connection. Right. So yeah. I love that. And last but definitely not least for everyone who wants to learn more about you, Teens Talk, what you've got going on, what the organization's got going on, where can they find you? Um, so we are primarily on Instagram and Facebook. We have a LinkedIn page as well. Um, it's teens underscore talk YXE. Uh, we're currently developing our website. We have an incredible company in the Sask- in Saskatoon that's doing that for us. So soon we will have a website up and running. We have some merch for sale. We have t-shirts and crews. We have toques. We'll hopefully be getting hats in the summer because you and I, we both know we love hats. Okay. We almost wore my LA one today too. That would have been <laughs> hilarious. Um, and we have our first fundraiser coming up on June 7th at the Capitol Music Club, um, a local band, Il Cricera is coming to play and so you can get your tickets through links on our instagram as well get social with us we'd love to hear from you and again just a reminder that although obviously this is like locally based in saskatoon the instagram page really is valuable no matter where where you are and we hope that this is just our hub starts in saskatoon and there's lots of potential so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time. I mean, I'm grateful to not only share Teens Talk, but to get to know more about you personally and your story. And I can't wait to see what what happens next and where this all takes you and Miss Taryn. And I'm grateful to have you here. Thank you, Callie. I'm so happy that you're on the journey with us. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Pam and I. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about all episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.